everybody and welcome to World Cup Wizards, the show that tenuously connects Stoke to the greatest show on earth. Kind of like talking about a party you're not really invited to. But still, we're going to plough on and have a good time anyway. Joining me is Chris Brammer. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm very well. I'm in World Cup mode, as uh, you both can see. I'm wearing my England shirt because Mm -hmm. that is the team what is going to win the World Cup. I notice you're wearing your brand new uh, Stoke City away shirt, Chris. I am. Is that because they're definitely going to win the championship now? That's... um... That's the reason why I'm wearing it. Yeah, we're definitely going to win. I mean, you you noticed that um, it has got championship badges on it, uh, and you you've told me I should replace them with the gold ones, just because it's so conclusive that we are going to win the league. Yeah, I th- I think you'll just end up kicking yourself getting the ordinary ones. I think you should even go one step further and just get the Premier League badges now. (laughs) Then then your kit is ready for a season after next, so there you go. I mean, why Uh, don't I go the full hog and just get the Champions League ones put on for the season after? (laughs) Chris, you're being silly now. Um, uh, Ben Cartwright is also here. Ben, back from at least three holidays, I think you've been on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, as usual. I go on holidays in bursts. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a bit ill this morning. Got a dose of World Cup fever. Um, yeah, I'm back. Hasn't, hasn't stopped him wearing an uh, Italy-inspired shirt there. Very much not going to win the World Cup, unlike England. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's uh, it's only a week since the last episode of the Wizards of Drivel podcast, but uh, it's been a while since the the three of us have had a chat, just uh, done done an ordinary Wizards episode. If you've listened to the Fuller and Lawrence episodes as your first experience of this podcast, think, oh, wow, they get great guests on every week and I'm going to listen to these lads now. Oh, boy, buckle in. Yeah, most of the episodes are not that. Uh, Most of the time, (laughs) it's us three chatting absolute garbage. So uh, welcome aboard anyway. Thank you for your subscription. Um, What has happened since we've been away? Well, we thought for these... uh, vaguely World Cup connected shows we've kind of split the chat between Stoke stuff and World Cup stuff and there is one man who is uh, connecting both of these separate strands and that is new signing Peter (laughs) Atebo so I mean it's first of all it's very exciting that we've made a new signing he looks good on YouTube, and he, he was a out of the blue signing as well. Uh, not many people saw him coming, and we thought last night we get to watch our new man in action. It's going to be a tough game against Modric and Rakitic. Oh, I, I can't wait! I'd love it if he scored, and he did. I mean, Chris, how typically bloody Stoke was that? <laughs> um, it was very Stoke, and I think it's good that he's getting his his practice in now for the for the own goals and getting it out of his system so that we don't have to go through it and be disappointed in the league. Do you know what the thing I I didn't I I've seen a lot of people kind of have a bit of a go at him and I don't know. I don't think you really can. I thought he was he was all right yesterday. I didn't think Nigeria were particularly very good and like you say they're playing against a midfield of Rakitic and Modric like two genuinely 
world class or if not world class extremely good players and he's 22 um he's got room to grow i'd certainly didn't know anything about him um <laughs> when he signed it was a case of who is this person let's get the youtube up and have a look and i'm not i don't want to judge a player based on youtube but he does look a, a decent midfielder that we do need um but looking at the stats from yesterday's game i thought he was he did all right and I'm excited for him. I think the main thing as well, he's 22. He's a young kid. He's like definitely got room to improve. So people who are panicking now based on one performance for Nigeria, please stop it. Just stop. I think that's really interesting because literally our other, well, one of our main midfielder last season, Joe Allen, was, was bought off the back of a, a great Euros and people judged him on that Euros. We've literally signed this player and people are judging a bad performance and that's the complete player. So for Joe <laughs> Allen, it was one way. This is the complete other that he's, I mean, no. I, I got Someone texted me and one of my mates who's not a Stoke fan texted me saying, Etobo, Etobo, sorry, has he's had a bad game. He's been the worst player. He's, he's rubbish. And I'm like, I, I feel like I'm watching a different game. To me, he looked like he was trying to do things. He, he, maybe it wasn't going perfectly all the time. Obviously, he got a bit unlucky. Well, very unlucky with the own goal. Um, but for me, I'm excited to see what he can do. You're thinking, as, as Dave mentioned, Rakitic and Modric, they're two of the best central midfielders, two, two complete central midfielders, up against John Obi Mikel, who's obviously a bit of a Premier League stalwart back in the day. You've got Ndidi for Leicester, who I thought just looked average, especially compared to our guy. And then you've got our guy who's going to come in at about into the championship and he's going to smash it I think I'm, I'm really excited to see and I, I think that type of signing for all the types of signings that you get in a transfer window the ones that are completely out of the blue my favourite I, 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 so much better than a transfer saga for me it's like the surprise it's just it's great it, it's a great thing to see bring it on Stoke keep on keep on getting those it'll be, it'll be lovely to get players like Gale who we've heard of and we've been linked with for a, <laughs> for a while but nothing beats a player out of the blue and waking up on the morning being like I didn't realise we were going to sign a player today, and then it comes, and it's great. And this this player, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see him in a Stoke shirt. Yeah, absolutely. And I I couldn't believe, like, so it was a minority of criti- criticism on my timeline, but I still couldn't believe when I saw it because I thought he was he was really their best player. I thought he was the only guy kind of driving the team forward. He was kind of playing a, a deep lying role, but would often. T- like burst past players, he he won a lot of free kicks. He seemed to be getting fouled an awful lot, um, and Nigeria were pretty terrible apart from him. I think tactically they were all over the shop. They keep playing a uh, Johnny and B. Mikel as a, a attacking midfielder for some reason, and I don't quite understand that. And they just didn't really have a plan. As much as everyone's got on board with Nigeria for having really nice kits and stuff, they just don't seem to be <laughs> very good at football and. Oh, Pete was, I think, for me, one of few players to actually come away with some credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's come a long way since being uh, unveiled outside some wheelie bins at Clayton Wood. And uh, I'm, I'm just <laughs> really <laughs> looking forward to seeing what he can do for Stoke. The the only kind of question mark I have is uh, what kind of midfielder is he? Because it's hard to tell based on that Nigeria team, like what, is he like a defensive midfielder? Is he going to play a bit further forward? Is he like Joe Allen, where he just kind of plays everywhere in the midfield? But um, I guess uh, we've got to trust in Big Gaz to... Uh... Uh, go, on. <laughs> go on, Chris. Well, 
Well, I was going to say, like, I mean, judging purely on a performance for Nigeria yesterday, which I know isn't exactly conclusive, but I felt that he was much more of a of a of a playmaker. I mean, some of the passes that he was playing out to Victor Moses, I thought, was quite. Um, it showed that he's quite comfortable trying with varied passing lengths. Um, I I do feel he would he would be more the player who pushes on up the pitch. Dare I say it, much more in in an Unzonzi role than a sitting midfielder who is there to break up play and just pass it on. Um, but we we've needed that in midfield, especially after the last season. Um, we we've we've needed that type of player who can do that type of thing. Joe Allen arguably has been able to do it for us, but midfield has been an area where quality has been lacking. And so, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm positive, but then I kind of am forcing myself to be positive about everything. So because we're going to win, <laughs> we're going to win everything. I think he, um, where well, he, I think he got fouled the most times. He looked mm. like he could certainly move on the ball, move it between the defence and attack, which, as you say, Chris, is something we've struggled with. And and it, there's going to be players in the championship, certainly in in the middle of the park, who are going to be given away fouls. And if Etebo can. Um, can win those fouls for us and, and get free kicks and I think we're going to be laughing. Just get yeah. someone who can stick it in the back of the net instead of Shakiri. Well, speaking of sticking it in the back of the net, that leads me on perfectly to Stoke's second signing of the summer transfer window. And, ooh, this, this, is, a, this is a tasty one, isn't it, lads? Uh, Benick Afobe mm. of Wolverhampton Wanderers has joined on a loan not with an option to buy, but an obligation to buy, which is a, a transfer phase phrase I haven't really come across before. But um, such is the way that Wolves seem to operate now. This is both a, a, a kind of weird transfer in terms of how it's happened. I think it was 12 days between Fobe signing permanently for Wolves and then joining us. But it's a, it's a striker. It's an actual bloody striker. This Oh, come on. Benek Fobe... Are we are we buzzing with this? I really am. I I'm not I, I'm not an expert on Championship football. I'm not going to pretend that I already am. I, I, but Benikafobi always he always seems to be that player that just picks up goals whenever when over the last few seasons it's always been Wolves Wolves are scoring and it's Benikafobi and I'm excited to see him in a Stoke shirt again. I it, I, I just. The only issue, I think I tweeted it at the time, the only issue is, why is this all happening now? A lot of people are saying we've now got a better team, and Benicophobia up front, it's, I, we, we're going to win the league, and Benicophobia is going to score 30 goals, and <laughs> I just I can't comprehend what is happening at Stoke at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for Benicophobia as well. Yeah, it's definitely an exciting signing, and again, another position that we've desperately desperately needed i'm still perplexed at the um dodgy nature of the deal with him signing for wolves and then coming straight to us but this is finance capitalism football for you isn't it it's wolves avoiding paying some buyout uh, some some add-on clauses to bournemouth um but it but i mean we've, we've got ourselves a good player we've got a player that gary rowett has quite comfortably said that he wanted to get in We've got a player who, as you say, Ben, will find the back of the net for us. Um, and you can't be anything but positive. And the fact that we are still linked with the likes of Dwight Gale is also quite interesting that we are just trying to get 
these players in quickly and get it done so we can hit the season running. I'm looking forward to it. The weird one is that at the moment we've, we we have just a stupendous amount of strikers. Unfortunately, the majority of the strikers can't actually score goals, which is the biggest issue. Um, but if we're looking to sign Dwight Gale as well, and Sado Berahino is reportedly getting another chance, um, then you've got Crouch and Juf as well. So I don't know what's going to happen to them, obviously, as well. Tyrese Campbell, a bit of shame. I know a lot of people, including myself, maybe would have liked to see him get a chance next season, which is sort of dwindling it looks like I don't know if he'll probably get a lonely loan deal or something but other than that I think it's all positive for Benicophobi come on let's score some goals for once with Stoke definitely winning the league then that's kind of earned the ire of other fans from other championship clubs I mean they're not very happy with Stoke at the moment Stoke are already establishing themselves as the bastards <laughs> of the league I mean is it is it bad that we're gonna just buy a load of really good players and then win the league? Because some fans don't like that. I, I I literally couldn't care less that other fans are getting annoyed at it. It's, I mean, foot, hypocrisy in football is obviously rife. In 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 every bit of football, there is hypocrisy. Um, but the fact that Aston Villa fans and Leeds fans. And whoever else fans are getting annoyed at us for spending money on players. It's just bizarre. I mean, we haven't even spent that much money yet. We, I know we're, we're buying players for £7 million, but there's a lot more money thrown around in the Championship in the past. We've got ourselves a great deal. So wh- why are they getting angry? Except that they're jealous. So the <laughs> fact that a team is jealous of us is great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, lads. We're going to win the league, probably. Mark my words. It, it's weird that, I don't know, I don't know if you've noticed it, but in this division, more than more than the Premier League, there's definitely this almost sense of entitlement from the supposed big clubs. like like Almost like, well, this is ridiculous. How can a club who has been in the Premier League for 10 years uh, spend more than us who won the European Cup in the 80s? This is stupid. Like, it, like almost as if that's not how football works. I, 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 I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't really remember last season being really annoyed at Man City for spending loads of money on on players because, unfortunately, that is just the mechanisms of the game we're playing in. And cynically, we will spend money to get out of this division because Brand Bet three six five needs to be in the Premier League. But I, I just, I just find it so, so funny like it is it is completely unfair that Stoke are able to spend like I don't know 20 times the the money that a Rotherham United will be able to spend in this window it is it's deeply unfair and and part of me as a neutral doesn't like it but as a supporter of Stoke I'm afraid I want us to win this league and I want us to do it by getting quality players in but I I mean I agree with you Ben when there was like we signed a two um a Big Pete, when we signed Pete, <laughs> uh, Jesus, um, and it was like, oh, it's seven million pounds. I'm like, oh, that's a good deal. And the Leeds fans going, oh, look at them spending the big money already. I'm like, it, it's seven million pounds, lads. Like, you should have seen how much we spent on Kevin Vimmer. Like, if you think, <laughs> if you think this is outrageous, you, you, yeah. I just, I don't know. And Leeds have just appointed uh, Bielsa as well, and I'm pretty sure he wasn't 
a cheap manager to uh, get. So, you know, like if you if you're moaning about how much money we've got after ten years in the Premier League, well, you should have got promoted then, <laughs> idiots. And like Aston Villa, what's Aston Villa's excuse? What the hell has gone on there that uh, they're having to offload all the assets? That's just bad club management, and we've seen it before with clubs like Leeds as well. Where you just like you you. Anyone can become rich from being in the Premier League, but you've got to know how to to manage it. And um, just because we're signing players for a lot of money doesn't mean oh, we're going to do a Villa or a Leeds because no one can understand basic finance. It works out. The, the The most basic way I can put this is Peter Coates and Bet Three Six Five are minted. They're absolutely <laughs> minted for this level, and you know. Such is such is such is capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a bit of a a red socialist tinge to this podcast, perhaps because the World Cup's on in Russia and, and stuff. But yeah, money talks, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh, money in the Premier League, we did uh, sell a player, perhaps to balance out some of the budget. See, we're not just throwing money at the wall; we are getting some in as well. Ramadan Sobi has joined Huddersfield Town. Uh, not a lot of sadness for this transfer, from what I can see. But I don't know. I feel a bit. I'm a bit, bit sad about it because I thought there was a player there, and perhaps it didn't show when we needed it to. But I was like, I was not really willing to join in with the kind of glee and delight that uh, Sobi had gone and. I'm also kind of impressed he managed to uh, get a Premier League club. Hmm. I think it would be a massive. I think it is a massive shame. I think I agree with, completely with you, Dave. I think it was similar emotions for me. I think people obviously getting well got frustrated with him in the end because he just wasn't putting in the performances. Uh, he he got a few chances and it wasn't happening. I mean, he was slower than someone very slow, and it just he just never got past that first stage of development. I remember seeing him for the first time against Stevenage. I think. Um, I think that was his first game. I might be wrong. Um, in the League Cup, and he, that performance that he gave there was probably just the similar performance that he put in against um, Crystal Palace, the last game at home uh, last season. It just looks like he can run and do a bit on the ball, and then doesn't really do anything with it. <laughs> so I think it it is sad that he's gone because i think as you say dave he could have become a great player it hasn't worked out for whatever reason probably just due to the complete lack of coaching that players seem to get at stoke city or used to get at stoke city so it's going to be an interesting one next season when he's at huddersfield because at this stage half of you wants him to do well and and show people that yes he was a good player there was a good player in there as i'm sure there is and the other half is i want you to fail now because you didn't do it at soak city i get i guess it, the interesting thing is um is that egypt dropped him he didn't play for egypt egypt didn't look particularly great and if we if we're doing the world cup tinge and, and obviously there are issues there he's not playing at his peak that was once thought i mean this was a player that has that was when he first signed compared to Salah and said, I think Mido was the person that said, this guy's better than Salah. I mean, if he does better than Salah at Huddersfield next season, incredible scenes. They've got themselves an absolute bargain. But I think he's a long way away from that. So there's not too much sadness. And and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of disappointment that he, he was very raw and tricky and 
kind of exciting player to bring off the bench when he first joined us. And we hope, like, given time that he could blossom into someone who could add that final ball in the final third and and pick a pass out in the 18-yard box. But he, he didn't add that at all. And if anything, his confidence kind of drained gradually over the course of his spell with us. And I do think there is a coaching issue there that a player who looked so whilst still a really raw player, a really confident player, and he seemed to have that knocked out of him whilst adding nothing to his game overall. So mm-hmm. I was uh I'm a bit sad that Mark Hughes kind of well, I I'm I'm blaming Mark Hughes really. I don't know if that's fair at all, but it feels like Mark Hughes had something to do with that. And I will be interested to see how he fits in a David Wagner side because they're all about you know high intensity, high pressing. And I think he can do like a a good kind of defensive job. I think he's all right defensively, Raven Sobby. So I wonder what his role will be in that Huddersfield team. Yeah, definitely. I think that I think that yeah, coaching was the main thing for him. He's uh, he's definitely got bags of potential, and he's still really really young. So you do hope in a in a squad where having to get the best out of players is a necessity um, that he'd do well. I mean, I don't have any ill will to him. I think people got very mad because his agent touted him out to Premier League clubs, but that that is the position that we're in, and I, I hold no ill will to him. Good luck to the kid. I hope it, I hope he is a success. Uh, Ramadan Sobby, of course, uh, well, until he joined Huddersfield, was one of six Stoke players at the World Cup. We've talked about Peter Atebo. He's... Uh, Atebo is the only one who's played so far. Uh, we've got Jordan Shakiri, Switzerland playing today. We've got Jack Butler's England playing tomorrow. And then Dian Juf, uh, Senegal later in the week. I mean, who are we looking forward to, to seeing from a Stoke point of view? And like, who do we think will actually play? Because apart from Shakiri, I don't really know if uh, any of our other lads are actually going to get some pit time. It's got to be Shakiri we're looking forward to. We we all the same. I mean, he he plays a similar role probably for Switzerland as he, as he does for Stoke. Insofar as literally they really need him to to win. And obviously last World Cup he scored a hat trick. Um, mm. I believe obviously the last Euros he scored the goal of the tournament. So he can turn it on at, at the big stage. Obviously a huge game for Switzerland against Brazil. I'm I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, and and then as you mentioned Senegal as well, it'd be great to see, especially in Dai. I really enjoy watching in Dai, and I think African teams so far have struggled. Um, yesterday we mentioned Nigeria; they were really disappointing. I was really excited to see them, and and I guess in a way Nigeria are a team of of individuals, much like it, it was like watching England, which a lot of teams are sort of similar to, where it, it's just a team of individuals rather than a team. Hopefully Senegal can gel, and hopefully in Dai is a part of that because it'd be exciting. Um, to see and and hopefully they can sort of yeah go far in the tournament. I don't, it, they're in a group that they definitely can get out of if they turn it on. Um, and then obviously England. Uh, not really looking forward to that one, but there we go. I'll probably still watch it. I I, I just love to see <laughs> Mam Juf like have a happy time. I think he's just been like he just <laughs> I just want nice. to see him like smiling again. And uh, so um, Senegal uh, kind of becoming my second team due to two Stoke players and just wanting Mamjouf to... Uh, oh, can you imagine if he scored a goal? How how just brilliant would that be? And I, mm. I, I really do need him to score as well because he's in my fantasy Why? team. And I put all my... 
Well, because you know, I tried to budget <laughs> and I spent loads of money and and put Messi in my oh, team, I and did then the same. oh, then th- yeah, and I captained it, captained him. Don't know why I did any of this. I'm I'm I've got six points so far, and the leader in our in my work league is on thirty five. So I'm I might as well give up on week on match day one. Um, but it'd be nice. To, I want I want to see him happy as well, um, and Shakiri. I want him to score a goal because he's also in my fantasy team <laughs> it's basically based on fantasy teams guys um yeah oh tell you what the world cup's been brilliant so far hasn't it oh my goodness yeah. oh, so oh, good I'm, I'm almost tempted just to quit wizards and just do a full-time world cup podcast because oh my goodness that portugal spain game oh my goodness that is just yeah just incredible ronaldo is just I think we're all in similar boats where it's it's like you're a dickhead, but oh my good god, yeah. how you can play football in that moment to score that free kick! It's just can you imagine the scenes in Portugal? It is just incredible, <laughs> but, but incredible. The thing, I think the amazing thing is as soon as they gave away that foul, like everyone was just going, "Yeah, he's scoring this!" Like there was no doubt, there was no doubt he was going to hit the wall or it was going to go over. He was a hundred percent scoring it. And like he my is fa- <laughs> a phenomenal athlete. Like my f- uh, my favorite bit of the free kick was that both the radio commentary team on Five Live and the BBC team, I think it was, both said Ronaldo doesn't really score free kicks. And, and I think a lot of people would <laughs> kind of would have thought it. <laughs> but then in that in that point, it was like this is going in, isn't it? It is, and it was just beautiful. What a beautiful free it, kick! It's funny though, because I mean, it was it was a gorgeous free kick, but like. Spain's goals oh, were so much better. That shows and yet, and yet they're not going to be the. Fi- they're not going to be I what's know. spoken about. Like, can Costa's you imagine being goal. Nacho? Costa's oh, goal as well. Nacho's like I hardly ever score goals. I score an absolute peach <laughs> off the post as well. You literally oh, can't get better than that. But then Ronaldo's just like no. I love those goals that like clip the post and then just almost like, like just yeah. twirl around the net. Oh, what a. This goes hit as well off the bar. Yeah. That was nearly one of those the the best type of goal where it it doesn't even hit the back of the net. Tell you yeah. what is brilliant about watching the World Cups now, kind of at our age, it's that we've seen these players play for and against Stoke. Like, like when Shakiri <laughs> scored that goal at the last Euros, like I think I like in my shock I just went. He plays for Stoke, you know. And like when, when we were little, when Stoke were in the championship in uh, the third tier, we're like, we, we never saw any World Cup stars down the Britannia in any capacity. And like yeah. when Ronaldo sticks that third in, I'm like, I've seen Andy Wilkinson kick that man into the air. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Diego Costa tell Ryan Shawcross he smells. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like, yeah. And dreams are made of. <laughs> It is brilliant. It's weird though, because it is. But there's something so special about the World Cup. Like I don't, I don't know what it is, but every time it comes on, it's every well every four years. It just feels, it just feels that little bit better than maybe it's because we've had an awful <laughs> season. But it just what is like, this good football? Counting, counting what is this? Yeah, joint? counting England like as <laughs> counting England aside, because you can never really rely on them for a good time. It's just so. I think every game is basically a, a cup final, essentially, for and 
and you can see that like raw emotion. I love it when like players score a goal in the World Cup and it's literally a pile on. Like everyone runs on because every single goal just means the 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 world. And like there's been some incredible scenes. Like you can't be not moved by the fact that Peru's there. Oh, or, like, Peru were brilliant. Iceland's journey is in. Yeah, I was gutted. I for know, Peru. absolute joke. I think. I think it's it's. Did you all see the Uruguayan schools where the oh, kids yeah, were absolutely was, mental as well? Just that, that goal. I thought that goal was perfect because Jimenez, the Atletico Madrid defender, scored the header. You just see the emotion, as you say, on his face. It's just incredible. This means so much to players, and I think you mentioned England. Obviously, they're playing tomorrow. That's kind of what we've been missing. We want that. That is what we want. We want to be a part of that feeling and it just yeah. hasn't happened literally for eight years we haven't had that a, a joyful world cup from an england perspective and now it feels like we're on the cusp of something special so we'll see <laughs> um but i i think another thing about the world cup is is the identity that all the team like or some of the teams at least seem to have like you mentioned peru they they play in that certain style and it's really recognizable yeah and there are obviously other teams that don't really go there with that team mentality. I mentioned Nigeria before, so they're kind of different. But there are teams. Germany are just like so so good. France is a bit off. Portugal. But I, don't know, is, I don't know. It's just something well, special. I thought Portugal, like Portugal, impressed. as a counter-attacking team with the Ronaldo as the obvious focal point. They were just really stunning to watch at times. And yeah. obviously, obviously, Spain and yeah. uh, the way they play even without the manager. And the, God, the, the drama just started like a day before the tournament. Like, oh, Spain has sat their manager. What? What is this madness? Oh, man. It's, it's wonderful to see all the fans as well, though. So, like, even though Nigeria were a bit limp in the actual playing, like, it's wonderful just seeing Nigerian fans in the stands dancing and on the streets in Russia. It's... I I love the the carnival that goes around the World Cup as that as well as the games. Like I love seeing an entire country taken over by millions of fans from other countries, and it's it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And I mean, the opening game was something special. Like I wasn't expecting anything good from the the human rights derby, but it was ah oh, Russia, Russia were I, I enjoyed that performance. Yeah, and uh, hopefully later in the podcast we've got a report from Russia, from our man in Moscow, Alex Marrow, former, well, one-time uh, like panellist on this podcast, if you like. He's uh, he's out there doing stuff, and uh, hopefully he'll be uh, giving us a little bit of flavour of what it's like in the tournament. And uh, if you want another vague Stoke uh, World Cup connection, there is a brilliant piece on the website. This is absolutely one of my favourite things we've ever put up on thewizardsofdribble.com by Tony Lloyd, where, where he essentially runs down the other 31 nations in the World Cup and why you should support them, from like the the Stoke connection at Iceland to whatever reason he made up for Saudi Arabia being a team to support it, it read it it's absolutely brilliant and it had me absolutely howling with laughter on a couple of occasions um, also on the wizardsofdribble.com is a piece by uh, our mate Sam uh, sticking up for Mark Cartwright uh, rather controversially given kind of the content of the Ricardo Fuller and Liam Lawrence interviews if you want a kind of a different perspective on what Mark Cartwright no relation to Ben, does at the club, 
and it, <laughs> why his role is important, then uh, by all means check that out. Uh, whilst uh, we've mentioned there the, the Rick and Liam interviews then, obviously, Chris, you joined me for that Ricardo Fuller interview. That was an experience, wasn't it, Chris? Oh, it was somewhat, somewhat special. Like, I don't know, like we... When we when we got there, I had this like professional head on of it's going to be we're going to sit down. Yeah, it's going to be a fine interview, blah de blah. And then when we saw him like get out of his car, well, for a starters, we were watching for the car, and then this car turns up and it's like this is clearly him. Oh my god, it's Ricardo Fuller. He's walking in the room. Oh my gosh, Ricardo Fuller's here. Absolutely, like I could not stop beaming. Um, oh, it was something special and what a sound guy he was like he like obviously you everyone has heard the anecdotes that he told us but like even off air he was just so friendly and so straight away telling us all the stoke players who were his neighbors like as he walked in like oh yeah i live around here and oh such and such is at the back of my house and such and such like he was just it was like he treated us like old friends and it was Oh, fantastic. I was so chuffed. He was uh, two hours late. I feel uh, comfortable saying it now. The interview was uh, <laughs> interviews out in the open. God, they, it was, there was a bit of a drama in uh, getting him to the place we recorded it in the first place. But uh, yeah, what, what, <laughs> I mean, that was just classic Rick. Everything about like meeting him was just like exactly as you'd expect. He He was late. He was really relaxed and chilled out and he was a really funny guy as well and um like from from my point of view that that episode episode 100 we'd kind of uh campaigned to get rick for a while and uh it was a stroke of luck really that we managed to get him <laughs> but yeah that i was absolutely blown away with the response to that i think it's our most list well it's definitely our most listened to episode ever and uh, yeah, it's meant even nice comments about this podcast on the Oatcake, which uh, hasn't always <laughs> hasn't always happened. But yeah, we are honestly just absolutely chuffed to bits with the response uh, to that and the uh, Liam Lawrence interview as well. Liam Lawrence just calling the current squad a bunch of fuckers and yeah, <laughs> classic. <laughs> Liam Lawrence is Liam Lawrence, very angry, very angry man. Ricardo, for, I I thought they were both. Excellent. From from someone who wasn't involved in them at all, I can I can say this honestly. And 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 if people haven't listened to, it, I don't I don't have a clue why people wouldn't listen to it yet. But I I have nothing but good things. I think you, the way you you did it was great. I think the way that it was so friendly and open. And I was just listening to it, and I was I was smiling with you. Honestly, it was, I was just sitting on the train beaming. I must have looked like an idiot when I was <laughs> listening to it, but I was having a great time and. Yeah, I, it's. I think Davey tweeted something like "Meet your heroes" or because they're actually great, and it, it, it's perfect because you always have that idea of Ricardo Fuller being like that, and he was. Well, that's what it seemed like anyway. Obviously, I wasn't there. Um, so yeah, all I can say is well done to you, you guys. I know this is a bit soppy for the podcast, <laughs> I but I was blown away by oh, it. Thanks, mate. Uh, do we do we end the show <laughs> on that really self-indulgent kind of note? Yeah, let's. Um, I've got <laughs> I've got uh, um, Costa Rica versus Serbia to look forward to, and I absolutely am looking forward to it because it's the World Cup, and the World Cup is the best thing. Uh, hopefully, uh, 
we will have more of these World Cup episodes talking about Peter Tabo's Nigeria coming from behind to win their group, talking about Shakiri's hat-trick of bicycle kicks against Brazil, talking about Jack Butland coming off the bench to keep England's hopes alive against Panama, talking about Mamjuf maybe scoring a goal. Go on, Stoke. Hello, Wizards of Drivel. I'm dining in from Volgograd. Um, obviously, not long until England play Tunisia here in the opening game. Um, I'm out here covering England, uh, and there's at least two other Stokies in the British media contingent, which is quite uh, exciting, good to see. Um, the atmosphere so far in Russia has been very positive. There's been a lot of a lot of fans from many different countries, particularly South American nations. Um, seen a lot of Peruvians, a lot of Mexicans, a lot of um, Colombians out in full voice um, and here to have a good time and the Russians have been really responsive to that and getting involved and I think any of the kind of fan trouble that large portions of the British media were predicting just haven't happened and probably won't happen Um, I think there's a lot of uh, scaremongering going on there but um, the atmosphere is good I mean Russia is um, a big footballing nation in itself it's one of the main sports here Um, and the club sides have been improving in recent seasons. I mean, we've had in the 90s was the dominance of Spartak Moscow, but I think everyone else will be familiar with CSK Moscow and Zenit St. Petersburg obviously doing well. We had different winners in you know, Krasnodar and Rostov and Ruben Kazan, all these clubs coming up and improving, and, and, and that's been quite exciting in a Russian footballing terms um, as well. Um, and and obviously with the hosts opening their tournament in such style, it's just been fantastic for the mood. Um, every Russian you speak to seems to be you know, delighted with the way the football's gone. 5-0 against yeah, an absolutely dreadful Saudi Arabia side, but they played well. Golovin looked superb. Um, and so I think the mood here is, is really, really excellent at the moment. So as I'm sure many of you know, England have been staying up in Rapino, um, which is a very, very small little town up on the Gulf of Finland, north of St. Petersburg. It's it's actually very pleasant in summer. It uh, doesn't really go dark. And the, when the sun's shining, it's a really, really beautiful place to be. Um, and the perfect place to train. And the temperature was key. The setting was key. And having somewhere you know, quite relaxed was important for Southgate that he wanted to find for the players. Um, when they come to Volgograd, they'll be greeted during the day with 35-degree heat. It's completely different. It feels like a different country almost. Um, the way the way people seem to live here, the what people are wearing, what people are doing, um, it's just very different. But everyone here is excited for England to arrive, and the people we've spoken to have been saying that you know England is one of, if not if not the team they want to see. English football is extremely popular over here, and Volgograd is delighted that they've they've got an English an England game to host. Um, the main thing for for Monday's game is is going to be that this game played at 9pm local time so the temperature will have dropped and that is going to be crucial because trying to play at 3 o'clock in the afternoon here would be would be a real real challenge um, and so 9 o'clock in the evening should help England's players as far as England's training is going um, I think what surprised me having not really seen England train that much uh, before when you see them up close is just how excellent all these players are um, you know people talk about the you know, the tiki taka of Spain or the skillful players that Brazil have and the way Germany can play um, but the, the English players have it they do it in training day after day and they're fantastic and I think it comes down to a mentality thing I think the key thing and what I'm hearing is 
from the players' point of view as well is that this is a really relaxed camp. Southgate has done all he can to to make it relaxed. They've they've worked hard on helping players to integrate with the media more. Um, something that I know, particularly under Capello, just would never have happened. Um, and and that kind of means you know from St George's Park there was this big media day with England that they. Um, where all the players were put out for the media that they could speak to. That's kind of relaxed them. Everyone's interviewed everyone. Everyone knows everyone. Um, and so at Rapino, there's less sort of intensity. There's less need for people to go after those stories and, and find things um, to fill newspaper stories or broadcasts. So I think the relationship with the media is great. That could all change if uh, there's a negative result on Monday. But um, I think that's key. I mean, having looked from a Stoke perspective, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of bias here. But obviously, we're all talking about the Butland, Pickford debate consensus here is that, that Jordan Pickford will get the nod um, favoured by Southgate for his distribution in training I did you know I couldn't help but notice that he was a bit iffy on some of his passes from time to time and uh, was was keen to try and pull that out Southgate if I got the chance but you know it's a really I think a healthy situation for the goalkeepers to be in um, you know ha- having Jack Butland as your number two is is as good as as almost any other country apart from possibly Germany and Brazil with uh, Testegen, Neuer and Alisson, Edison. I mean, those. apart from those combinations, you know, if you've got Butland as your number two, I think, I think you're doing really, really well. Of course, there are actually quite a few Stoke players um, out, out here for the World Cup. Obviously, some of them may not be Stoke players by the time it's finished, but um, obviously with Senegal, we've got uh, Mama Juf and, and, and Di, who's there. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Butland for Stoke, uh, so, so for England... Um, new signing Peter Etebo, the Nigeria un- unlucky own goal scorer um, in that game. I think we, having watched that game, he actually did all right. And um, I think for the, the fee we've paid for him, I think he's definitely worth a punt. And if he is a replacement for Ndai, he may not be as good at the moment, but he's young and I think in the championship he could definitely be a handy player. So um, it's an unfortunate uh, World Cup debut for him, scoring an own goal, but I you know, it'd be interesting to see how he bounces back from that and whether he can try and help Nigeria to get through that group. But uh, obviously, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, the big name playing today really is, is Shakiri playing against Brazil. Um, I think everyone would be expecting Brazil to get a win, but if, if, if Shaq can work some magic, I'm sure um, there'll be a few proud Stokies out and about. So um, it's you know, there's, there's good Stoke representation, as, as I say, and, and whether we can we can keep it that way, who knows? And um, with Sobi in the Egypt squad as well, so, um, but haven't seen many people with shirts uh, with Stoke players on. But again, haven't actually seen any Swiss fans yet. And if I did see some, I'm sure we'd find some Shakiri shirts there. And just one final thing on England. From the Russians I've spoken to, everyone seems to still put England in that category of one of the top sides in the world. Um, you know, we've back home we've become more pessimistic about it but I think here they still see England in that way they don't that said they don't actually know that many players you sort of say Harry Kane and um, to people and they don't always know who that is so um, we don't have the big names in a sense that we we once had um, and like some of the other nations but we're still held in very high regard by the Russians and and they're looking forward to seeing how we get on and and although we may not be incredibly confident of uh, a win over, over Tunisia I think the Russian locals are are extremely confident that England will get the job done.